Hey, welcome to Fans of the Forge. This is a special interview episode, and as you can see, we have Jay Nielsen here, Forge and Fire judge and ABS master smith, Jay Nielsen. Thank you for joining us. Happy to do it. It's a lot and, of fun. <laughs> and by thank you for joining us, thank you for allowing us to come to your place and record in your apartment. Hey, I'm not paying the rent here. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> We've been watching the show for a while now. We're big fans of yours. I actually recently started watching your DVDs oh, um, and cool. getting into that as I build a forge in my own yard and, and get my own shop up and running. So it's a little surreal as we come down here, knowing <laughs> that we're going to meet Jay Nielsen, but uh, I'm glad we could get it all together. And oh, cool. uh, we have some questions for you. Fire away. All right. First off, it's kind of a, a wide-ranging question, but how did you get, how did you first get involved in knife making? Uh, it's the same old thing. People, you know, I'm turning 50 this year, so most people are kids my age. Uh, we watched the Conan movies way too many times as kids. Sword and a Sorcerer, uh, you, know, you know, Animal King or whatever the heck that was. All kinds of crazy uh, sword-swinging movies. Right. And I got interested in swords, uh, you know, reading the Lord of the Rings books, all that kind of stuff. You know, it gets kind of into your head, just like generation before I was into Cowboys and Indians. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got older, started working on my own, I started collecting cheap swords. I did have a couple of nice historical pieces. Um, one's coming up, you guys will see it on the show. Um, but then that was no fun because I wanted to actually make something. And I figured nobody's carrying swords around but hey, people use knives every day and i started out doing stock removal i started out you know grinding saw blades and files and whatnot and it's very very rough stuff and you know it was just a hobby you know just something to do uh very therapeutic because i have very uh, high blood pressure and kind of like um well, high strung sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I'd get home from work and start working on knives and it was very therapeutic kind of thing, which a lot of people I hear that from on a regular basis nowadays. Um, and it just progressed. You know, I started grinding out blades. Um, I put a knife kit together first. I bought a blade, bought some handle material, put it together. That was cool. Okay, that's done. Started a little stock removal. Okay, that's cool. What's next? And I got to the point where I actually went to a knife show. I didn't even know they had such a thing. And I was living in Pennsylvania. I went to a little show in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, called the Keystone Knife Show. And I had horrible stuff on my table. Like I said, it was all ground out of files and saw blades. I had deer skins on the table. It was, it was sad. I still had a big, long ponytail going on the back of my neck. And I wanted to forge because that was, Damascus was just becoming a new thing again. It was just becoming a resurgence. And I wanted to get into that because I loved the look at it, of it and I loved the creativity of it. And I just didn't know how to do it because there was nobody around me. And there was, you know, there was no big internet thing back there. There was no instructional DVDs or anything. I think we were still popping VHS tapes in the, back then. Oh, sure. Matter of fact, I know I was because I had a Jim Hiroshula DVD. Um, I don't know how he did that stuff. It was a horrible method. But anyway, <laughs> couldn't, didn't work for me. But uh, there was a gentleman at the same show named Keith Bagley. He lived down in Maryland. And he was a farrier by trade, but he was a knife maker. Stuff on his table looked great. And he came over to my table and basically he took pity on me and invited me down to his shop for a weekend. And he taught me the basics of forging, forge welding. 
I did that, tried not to beat his anvil up too much, mm -hmm. and came home and dropped a block of steel into a bucket of sand and a little hand crank charcoal forge, claw hammer, and went to town. And that's how I started it out. Oh, wow. And it just progressed from there. That's awesome. How long were you bladesmithing before uh, becoming a master smith? Oh, I got my master smith in 2008, a journeyman smith uh, two years before that. And I started making knives, well, let's see, I don't, I'm not good at math, that's why I make knives for a living. So I've been doing it for about 25 years. Okay, wow. So I started forging in about, uh, about uh, 2000, that's when I started forging seriously. Okay. That's cool. So Yeah, it's been a while. Um, was there any particular blade from the master smith requirements that you found particularly difficult? <laughs> the dagger. Everybody does. <laughs> when you're, you're forced to make something in particular, I mean, you could put your own twist to it, your own flair to it. Um, yeah. The only thing that helped me is I like making daggers. It kind of goes back to all that sword stuff from when I was younger. Um, I don't really know too many other people that enjoy making daggers. Usually it's a punishment on the show. When when, yeah, when Will unveils a, d a dagger blade, everybody's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but I enjoy it. Um, so I did have a little bit of advantage there. It was fun for me. And uh, the big thing was that twisted wire inlay handle. Because mm -hmm. uh, everybody either does black wood or ivory, black and white, black and white. And I do not like doing the same thing everybody else does. So I did desert ironwood burl which was probably, I probably should have put a nail gun on my head because <laughs> it's a hard wood to work, but it came out beautifully. Um, it was actually on the show when we did the Quillian Dagger episode. That was actually my Master Smith Dagger oh, wow. that was on the show because uh, I know I'm friends with the person who purchased it. So, um, but they make you wait outside a long time when they do the judging, even if there's only two or three of you just to build the stress level up. <laughs> and when they came out, uh, they asked me, how many of the sandals did you make before you got right? And I said, I'm not telling you until you tell me whether I passed or not. <laughs> and they said, no, really. I said, no, really. I'm not telling you until you tell me whether I passed. They said, yeah, Yo, you passed. Yeah. I said, that was the first one. Wow. And it, I just, for some reason, I usually get lucky that the first time I try something, most times I actually get it. And then the next two or three go right to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to kind of like rebuild the skill or something like that. But, but yeah, that was a tough one. Can you give us a rough estimate of how many knives you've made in your life? God, no. Can I count the arm hairs I have left? <laughs> no, I've... Uh, I remember talking to a pair of brothers. Uh, I did a little bit of heat treating work for them because it, it was a, uh, they were used to using stainless steels. They had an order for some high-carbon blades, um, and they weren't sure how to do it. And you know, We were friends. I said, just send them to me. I'll take care of them for you. And they were boasting and bragging. You know, there's two of them working in the shop, and they had a cousin helping them. And they sent their stuff out to get heat treated. And they were, oh, we had like you know, 160 knives this year. And I didn't say anything. <laughs> and he was like, that's good, isn't it? I said, dude, I did almost 300 this year by myself, and I do all my own heat treating. What the hell are you bragging about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, it varies a lot. Sure. I mean, it's... It's actually, I worked my tail off. I would make pretty much anything anybody asked for, and there's some god-awful stuff out there with my name on it. 
And I have on occasion gone to small knife shows and found pieces and recovered them. I, I bought them back. And they're at the bottom of the Susquehanna River now, <laughs> right, up, right by my house. I don't want anybody ever see that stuff. But, yeah, I, I made a lot of stuff. And, yeah, some of it was small, quick neck knives. You know, some taking scrap Damascus cutoffs and making little neckers and stuff. But, yeah, I was averaging, you know, an easy 200 knives a year. Um, wow. But it's gone down as, as my quality's gotten better. My master, journeyman, master smith, the whole goal was to make less knives and make more money. Right. And it's gotten to the point where even a simple knife, like I show you the one I'm carrying on this season right now, it's just a very simple knife, but it's just very clean. Everything's tight. You know, nobody can find the flaws in it except me, which is the key to being a master smith. Ed Caffrey right. told me that because <laughs> we don't make perfect knives. We just make knives and nobody knows where the flaws are but <laughs> us. And nobody else can find them. Uh, but yeah, that's it, I've made a lot. I have no clue. That's yeah. like when somebody asked me if you know, how long it takes to make a knife. I can't answer that question. So if that's one of the ones on the list, just skip it. Nope. No, no, we know not to ask it, that. Because it always varies. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have a favorite blade style to make? It, it's funny you say that because I, I swore when I first started forging blades, I was not going to make a ton of bowies because everybody makes bowie knives. Dude, I, I'm not, I don't want to do the same thing everybody else does. I always want to try to do a little bit different, set myself apart. But it's just too good a canvas to work. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've said it on the show, too. I mean, just a slight alteration of the choil and a clip, and you've got something totally different. You know, you, you put a notch on it and sweep the clip. you got a Spanish buoy. You put a bar, a bar in the back, you got a muso. I mean, vest buoys that gamblers used to carry and stick people between the mm -hmm. ribs with. You know, big pig stickers, 16-inch pig sticker buoys. I mean, there's so many variations you could do. Then you add the Damascus concept. You know, either laminate, mosaic, powdered steels, meteorite. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do. So, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, but I love doing yeah. Bowie knives. <laughs> What's the largest blade that you've made? Uh, well, not counting swords? Right. Okay. No. Oh, oh I, don't, I don't make, I've only made a few. Um, and the biggest one of those I made was like 33 inches, I think. Okay. But I didn't enjoy it as much as making knives. You know, it was a request, so I'd made a few of them, just like folders. I'd, I haven't messed with those in like 20 years almost. Uh, but the largest recent fixed blade knife that I've made is 23 inches. Okay. So, yeah. That was good size. Yeah, I, I did post it too long ago. It had a, a big feather carving on the sheath and a, oh, yeah. that, that uh, feather com or um, that pine cone composite handle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then he flaked on me. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. I sold it quick. <laughs> but yeah, that was a monster. I had to put it at an angle to get it into my heat treating forge for tempering. Yeah. So, oh, wow. But yeah, it was a beast. I got pictures of my son holding it somewhere. <laughs> so I mentioned that I've been watching your instructional DVDs. Okay. I got a question for you. Yes. Do they help? I have learned a lot of good techniques that I had not seen before. And we've, we've done some work with some local Smiths. We've done stuff with Peter Burt. Mm -hmm. um, and um, who else did we work with? I'm, I'm blanking now. Matt Berry. Matt Berry. Uh, okay. Ryan Brewer. Uh, Parthmore. Dave, well, we well, didn't we work with Dave Parthmore, but we've worked with those guys a little bit here and there. Theo Oh, yeah, we started with Theo Nass. Oh, I miss Theo, yeah. Theo's on the show. Yeah. So um, we've, we've gotten experience from a a few different guys and actually getting in there and, and working with tools and 
immediately when I saw your DVDs, like you approach things a lot differently. Like for example, the the anvil smash way of straightening the, yeah. the blade, which you know it was funny that I happened to watch that DVD a couple days ago, and then or maybe it was last week, and then the episode of Forge and Fire that aired showed Gene Hodges using that method at his home forge and i was like i just saw that yeah. that jade nielsen did that a lot of it's stuff i picked up over the years from other smiths a lot of it's stuff that i just figured this makes sense let's just try this um yeah. it's funny almost every episode we shoot i talk about somebody doing something and this is the way i do it and i look at the camera and go and you could find this out on Jay Nielsen type DVDs <laughs> and out and And my executive producer just laughs every time I do it. And he goes, he goes eventually you're going to do it enough times I'm going to add it. I said, well, now you curse. Now I'm going to do it every episode. So, that's good. I just try to make everything like straightforward and simple as possible. I like simple. I don't like complicating things. It's not rocket science. I'm not trying to make myself look smarter than I am. It's just knife making. Yep. Just make it easy. Right. So what I noticed at least from those DVDs, is that you perform edge quenches, mm -hmm. at least on the blades that you showed there, rather than doing a full immersion in the quench oil. Mm -hmm. And um, is that your preferred method for heat treating all of your knives, or does it just vary with the style of knife that you're making? For most knives, probably 90% of them, um, I prefer to do an edge quench. Um, unless a style requires a hard spine, like a Scandi Bushcraft, because mm -hmm. um, a lot of people use that for scraping or fire starting or something like that. Um, I actually like doing daggers where you get the edges really thin, so the edges heat up first and get hotter, and the core stays cooler. So even when you quench the whole blade, it's really just the edge, and you get oh. when you etch it, you get a nice flame pattern looking like. Oh, cool. But yeah, unless, unless it requires it, um, like doing a bore knife, you know, a lot of times the guys want the whole blade hard because they're not worried about chopping. They're just stabbing with this thing. They're just putting into a pig. Right. So they don't want the whole thing hard. So, you know, for most knives, I'd rather have a little bit of flexibility in the spine. I'm in Pennsylvania. We had a lot of hunters. So if they're digging into a joint or something like that, it give a little bit of shock resistance, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of flex to it as opposed to a fully hardened blade. So yeah, I do prefer that. And again, I could show you on the one I'm carrying too, because that's an edge quench W1 blade. Mm. All right, cool. Uh, what's your favorite style of Damascus to make? Raindrop. Okay. I, I love, well, that's the first easy answer you guys got, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. <laughs> um, I like a ton of different styles. Um, you know, the mosaics with the jelly rolls are fun, but they're a nightmare to do. Uh, I'm still improving my feather pattern. I mean, I've got it down, but I think I can do better on it. And again, that's a pain in the butt pattern. But just something that's nice and simple and random. And I don't, I don't like using um, those set pattern dies. I like using them a little more random, so it's not exactly the same. As long as, as long as you're not pinching on the same side and making a weak spot in the blade, it just uh, mixes up nicely. Another nice one is doing a, a wave splitting the two having rain on top rain and waves on the bottom oh, yeah. oh, i've got yeah, a couple yeah. of those on the website too it's good rain and waves pattern that's cool um so you know mixing them up a little bit is fun too but yeah i, I like raindrop it just looks cool to me yeah what advice would you give to someone um, first learning to be a bladesmith i get this one all the time <laughs> aside from buy my dvds no i'm just saying Which, i'm just kidding. <laughs> i'm just kidding um no honestly Go to as many knife makers, blacksmith shops that you possibly can. 
I've seen way too many guys starting out and girls um, that just get into it, get the fever, get the bugs, start buying tools, buying tools and getting this. And then when they actually start doing work, realize they don't need half of the stuff they bought. So if you can find knife makers that are making stuff you like, go see them if you can possibly do it. Uh, go see as many as you can if you possibly can and just see what they're doing, see what they're using, and flat out ask them, which tools do you use more than the others? Which ones do you prefer and why? And just get that information before you go start spending hard-earned money. That makes sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully not the guy that got the bug and went and started buying a bunch of tools. <laughs> I bought a couple things. I have an anvil, I have a, a little forge, and I bought some hammers and things, um, but, I tell yep. you, I tell you the truth. One thing I've noticed with a lot of guys and girls buy tons of hammers and tons of tongs. I've got one hammer that I use for ninety-five percent of what I do. It's a thousand-pound Swiss pattern. Um, I've got one heavier, and the only reason I have that one is because of a guy who bought too many tools and then ended up selling them all. Um, <laughs> but I really only use maybe three or four different hammers and maybe different nine, 10 different pairs of tongs. So you don't need tons of stuff. Right. And a good way to practice smithing, make your own tongs. Yeah. Make some of your own tooling. You know, that, that's good practice for how, learning how to manipulate steel, you know, how to hit it, how to use the horn of the anvil, which is the most underrated part of the anvil as far as I'm concerned for knife makers. I use the horn of the anvil in my shop all the time. And I jump out of my chair and cheer when I see somebody using a horn on the show. It's like, you know, it's a giant metal rolling pin. Use it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, you don't need tons of stuff, really. I mean, yeah. I started out with very little. I mean, I went to my first half dozen knife shows, and I was still using a 1x30 grinder from, from Harbor Freight. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's not so much of having great tools. I mean, I've still, got, I've still got cheap tools in my shop I use on a daily basis. I still get two Grizzly grinders I use every day, along with my KMGs but it's getting used to the tools you have and to make them work for you. Right. So how did you get involved with Forge and Fire? <laughs> I was actually in the middle of forging out some blades. Phone rang, there's a cell phone in my pocket. I answered it. This little voice says, oh, hi, this is so-and-so from the History Channel. Um, we're planning on starting a, you know, a knife forging competition TV show. You're wondering if you're interested. And I said, yeah, okay, who's this really? Because <laughs> in the community, we had heard off and on rumors about somebody starting a knife forging show, but nobody ever had any, you know, like, oh, where'd you hear that from? Nobody had any knowledge. So I thought it was one of my buddy's wives or girlfriends calling. They were playing a prank on me. It took her like a good five minutes or so to convince me she was actually from the History Channel. And she's like, well, she said, well, would you be interested? I, said, I don't know. I said, yeah, I don't know, reality TV and all that stuff. I'm not really sure. And she goes, well, we're looking for you to be one of the judges. I said, well, that sounds a lot more interesting. <laughs> I said, really? And uh, I did a Skype interview. And uh, even though I was Master Smith, I was, I'm, I was fairly one of the younger ones. Um, and I had the two people that were interviewing me laughing within 10 minutes. I had them cracking up just doing stupid comments and stuff. And I guess they figured, okay, he's got a stamp. We see on videos that he beats the hell out of his own knives and he's got a sense of humor. We give him a shot. And we flew out, they flew me out to Seattle 
and we did the pilot there, and it was one of the most dangerous things I ever saw in my life. But everybody survived, you know, just a little facial hair lost. And, uh, and then it went from there, and it just kind of took off. It took us like took like several months later, and they was like, okay, we're gonna start shooting in New York. Pack your bags and jump on the jump on over. Wow, that's an incredible story to to kind of hear from your side. Of it was a nightmare. <laughs> well, I, you got to figure. I walked into it. David Baker, great craftsman, wasn't a big forger. I mean, Dave did a lot of theater props and you know movie TV props. Um, Doug never made a knife in his life. He's designed tons of them. So I walked in there, and there's a whole studio crew, and nobody knew much of anything about knives. So we started brainstorming, you know, challenges, tests. Uh, I remember one. TV person, not anybody that was on the set. It was just from up on high back in that time. Got a great idea. I tell everybody this story. Got a great <laughs> idea. Going to give every contestant a toaster. And they can make a knife out of it. And I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. Sure. But I said, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, that's the stupidest idea. First of all, there's not enough hardable metal in a toaster. And that's the, that was one of the biggest problems is having people understand the difference between hardenable and non-hardenable steels. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they, a lot of ideas got thrown out there that were just not going to work. And then they came up with some certain tests that were just like, let's chop cinder blocks in half. Well, why don't we just stab the people with their knives while we're at it? I mean, come on, let's be serious here. I mean, we do some brutal testing, but that was just when we were first starting out. So it, it was a lot of education. And it's gotten to the point, we're in season seven now, and we've still got a lot of the same crew from season one and two that we have now. And I'm pushing for a crew challenge. Oh, These, cool. especially yeah. like our cameramen, our audio people, they are dying to drop the camera and start swinging a hammer. Yeah. They've learned so much through osmosis. Because I remember when we first started doing this, I'd be jumping up and pointing stuff out for the camera people to catch. You know, he's about right. to do something. And I was getting praised. I was like, well, how do you know they're going to do stuff right before? Because everybody thinks it's editing. I said, I know, because I did all the same stupid mistakes when <laughs> I first started out, too. I know exactly what's going to go wrong, because uh, I did it. And now, as things have progressed the last few seasons, you know, I won't be, I'll be looking over here, and one of the cameramen will be flagging me. <laughs> Look what he's going to do. Look what he's going to do. These guys know now. So, I mean, you know, these guys want to jump down. So I'm, I'm trying to push for a, a crew episode, a crew challenge, because these guys want to prove that they've learned, you know, as much as some of the guys that have come on the show. They've certainly seen, at least the, the crews that go, when the Smiths go home and do their, their final weapons, so they're there five days with them, you know, seeing the process start to finish, too, so... I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> well, think about it in the way that, you know, we visited with a couple Smiths so far, right? The guys that are going to the home forges, like, I know that there's a couple guys that go all over the place. And mm -hmm. just seeing all that different technique and different equipment and how it's being used, I'm sure, like, implants itself in your head there. And Yeah, I haven't talked to a lot of the people that go out and about because it's kind of a different crew. Yeah. Um, but a couple of them have come back to work on set. And they just, they got stories. Man, they got stories. <laughs> you got to figure, you know, if you willingly want to play with fire, explosive gases, high amounts of electricity, and sharp and pointy stuff on a daily basis, there's got to be a little bit something wrong mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's gotta, it's, there's a little, there, we're, we're a little bit different. 
And so, you know, we're going to be a little entertaining. So that's probably why one of the reasons the show has is, is gone so well, because people are like, I can't believe he's going to do that. Yeah. It's like a lot of times when I'm doing the strength testing, you know, half the time I get people in the crew like, oh my God, give me a heart attack every time you start doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm stupid enough to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you always tested blades so aggressively? Not when I, well, actually, I didn't do so much when I was doing stock removal because um, there wasn't as much stress on the steel and stuff right. like that. But once I started forging, um, I didn't so much stress test my blades, but when I had ones that warped bad mm-hmm. or I had something with a crack in it or something that was definitely not saleable, I would take those and beat the living hell out of them because they were trash anyway. If it's got a flaw in it and I can get it to survive certain things, then I, at least I know certain aspects of the blade are still good. Right. Um, and then from there I went to at least every two weeks taking one blade of different whatever steels because I, I was always big when people are starting out pick one or two steels simple ones like 1095 5160 perfect your heat treat on those once you know it's perfected then move on to another steel so when I got to that point you know every couple of weeks I would forge a blade out of a certain steel and beat it to destruction and i did eventually get to the point of chopping cinder blocks and stuff like that just totally abusive destructive stuff um and i had a lot of a lot of a lot of flaws and mm-hmm. I, that i worked with it worked with the heat treats adjusted things even adjusted you know the bevels and the grinds on the edge and you know my edge geometry and you know even to the point of like taking torches and softening tangs and shoulders and stuff like that because i i like doing a lot of hidden tang knives and uh, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer of beating the living hell out of your knives. And I would tell people that when I was doing the knife shows. And you know, you gotta kind of get a little wishy-washy, and that's like, okay, well, they got this Facebook stuff now and stuff. I'm gonna start proving that this stuff holds up. So I started doing little videos, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, that, now you can't can't deny it. Matter of fact, when we first started using the 52100 ball bearings, which these videos are still on YouTube. Uh, I think it was season two, maybe. I can't remember. But we had a lot of flaws on the show, a lot of cracked blades and stuff. And, I mean, I'd been using 5200 for a while. And they were like, is this really good steel? Are you just screwing with us? Because they know I like screwing with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, look, trust me. So I took a, a inch and a half ball bearing. I think it was inch and a half. might have been two inches. I don't remember. And I normally didn't shoot during the summer because that's when I had my kids. So I want to spend time with the kids. But I took one of the ball bearings from the show, and I stretched out a full tang knife with a 9-inch cutting edge. It was only an eighth of an inch thick. And I did every test that we did on the show, from ropes to bamboo to coconuts. I made. I took a square cat litter container, made my own ice block. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing I did was a coconut chop. And I didn't touch the edge on that knife at all. Because you could see the slime on it when I before I started each new test, I'd clean it off, yeah. and at the end it was still slicing newspaper. Wow! Holy cow! And I videoed all of it. I posted it all on YouTube, and I told the TV people there. Yeah. <laughs> now you know it's good steel. You just, right. We just need to get people to work it right. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that screws people up is the TV lights. Oh yeah. Because yeah. everybody's so used to working in a dark forge, mm-hmm. yeah. so the bright lighting in the TV. And I always try to remind people keep that in mind. Use a magnet. But yeah. yeah, the TV lights are a bugger. Uh, of all the different types of things you bash for the strength test, is there any particular one that is the most destructive to the blades that you're testing? 
Oof, that's a good one. Well, there was this one that we test. I had just done uh, a 16-inch 5200 blade, and I saw this video. Um, and they were they were t we never used it on the show. My knives have done so much stuff that has never turned up on the show. It's ridiculous. I, I almost in tears one time. <laughs> As I, I'm chopping away at chains, this board full of chains and cables and barbed wire, and I'm thinking, you guys hate, I hate you guys. You're not my friends. <laughs> yeah. You suck. You all suck. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we did one. It was some kind of dog chew bone, and it snapped my blade right in half, oh, flew wow. over my shoulder and all that. Uh, but the ones we've had on the show, probably the most destructive is the antler chop. Because um, yeah. I've I've got one hanging on the ceiling of my shop right now, and it's still got chunks of metal from contestants' blades oh. still stuck wow. in it. Yeah, it was one of the few you know few uh, prizes of war I got. So <laughs> so I got a few of those hanging on the shop. But yeah, the antler chop is really chews things up. Yeah. Uh, probably the second one, first one is the ice ice block, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I got one coming up. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so. We saw recently that you um, you made a new strength testing baton for the show. <laughs> Do you make any of the example weapons besides that dagger? Was there anything else that you've made? Um, there's there's a couple things that are be coming up um, as display pieces, mm -hmm. um, but I've made. Dave takes care of all the finale stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm the round one and two guy, so I've made. I've made five so far. Uh, pre-test knives um, and it wasn't until I think season five that I broke that one that I just mentioned mm -hmm. um, and that's our director of photography's fault completely because <laughs> we were waiting to do that test and he walked up to me he goes he goes why is it we never break any of your blades sure enough that's the time I broke one I was like you son of a <laughs> I still give him hell to this day <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, I've made I've made five pretest knives of different sizes for different things. Like I I did you know like a an eight inch narrow blade with a, a forged in uh, thumb stop for stabbing like drum cans and stuff like that. Uh, medium range one and a big giant slicer. I just reposted a video on that one. Uh, but yeah, I've I've made knives just to go through all this brutality. Um, and the very first one I made. Um, it was actually, I made it, I started it when we were doing the, the promo photos that they have floating around from season one. Called it the Toxic Cheeto, because it was this horrible orange Kira night that I let, I let the crew pick the handle material, and they dubbed it the Toxic Cheeto, and we couldn't kill that thing. Matter of fact, I actually took it, and that's sitting in my shop right now. I'm not giving that one up. There's been, a, there's been a few others I made, like that one I did during the summer for the ball bearing, yeah. and a couple others that I've donated to charities and stuff like that. But there's still three on set right now that I made a few years ago, and the Toxic Cheetos hiding in my cabinet in my shop. <laughs> I was like, this first one I made it, I made it on set, I'm keeping the suckers mine. That's cool. That's really cool. Let's see here. Do you ever wish you could do the ballistics dummy test rather than Doug on the show? I do enough to them off camera. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll walk on set and I'll just walk by and just, <laughs> just watch the head go like that. No, they won't let me. They, they really won't let me do that. I've, I've asked. Um, they, they recently let me do some of those uh, MMA dummies. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got to try to brutalize a couple of those on an upcoming episode. Uh, but no, no. Well, actually, 
like, nah, yeah, I did gut stab a couple of them after Doug was done with them. There was a couple that we had that the contestants' blades really didn't do anything to them. Oh, okay. So I just walked by and went. I didn't get fired still. Those things aren't cheap. Oh, yeah. You ever want to mess with one of those pigs that's just hanging there? God, no. Those things are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one season they were bringing it when we were still shooting in Brooklyn. These things were coming in green. Uh, we're, we're, in the, we're in the green room, and we're like, oh, God. And then you walk out, and they're seriously, they actually had the makeup people trying to cover these pigs up wow. with makeup. I was like, God, these are nasty. <laughs> no, they, they, they're weird. They, they, the, like the eyelids are cut off them or, or stuff. It's just, nah, nasty. I'm not messing with them. Yeah. In fact, I remember it wasn't too long ago, Doug, you know, because Doug's always like checking out the cuts afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and he had cut one in half and he was down checking. They came up and I was like, oh, you just kissed that nasty <laughs> pig. <laughs> so now I, I try to stay away from him. But one of the things we do get grief about is wasting all that food. And all that stuff does go to a wolf rescue. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, it doesn't get wasted. And they actually, they prefer to do that because these wolves get released into the wild again mm-hmm. and they don't want to be feeding them kibble right. yeah you know so they actually you know the animals that we use on the show get tossed to these wolves they still eat off of carcasses and stuff like that just like they would in nature that way when they get released you know they got a better chance of hunting and foraging for themselves wow. so that's, that's something awesome. a lot of people don't know yeah uh, a couple years a couple years back, you had Doug and Will make their first knives in your shop. How were they as students? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason God made tequila. No, <laughs> uh, no they were great. Um, Doug was kind of hesitant at first. Um, yeah, I gave him a little grief. I'm like, hit the damn steel. Because yeah. he was being, but I understand, you know, same way when I started out. You know, you're trying to be careful, hit the steel calmly. So, you know, Doug took a little more coaxing, a little more coaching. Uh, Will... I should have shot him with a tranquilizer. He was all over the shop, man. He's turning on machines. He didn't even know what they did yet. <laughs> he's like, he's doing on, he's on the grinder. I'm like, well, I'm running over yeah. across the shop. So I'm trying to take it. I had polar opposites in the shop that day, uh, but it was a blast. We had a great time, you know, and I'm showing them. And it's funny. I'll, like I said, when we first started out, nobody knew anything. And I'm sitting at the table now during episodes and Doug's over there talking about grain structure and edge geometry. And I'm just like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> yeah. It's like, damn, I must be a pretty good teacher. I got all you guys figured this out. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Will went on making knives. Uh, he still does. We had a day off in Brooklyn, and you know, they were able to use the forges every once in a while. So I was in there working. I think Dave was there too, I don't remember. But Will came in with his girlfriend, his wife now, and he looked at me, he goes, I'm going to make canister we'd seen so many people screw up canisters recently he goes i'm gonna canister i'm gonna be at that forge don't talk to me i'm not gonna ask you to help me he goes i've seen people screw it up so many times i bet i can do it and i'm just gonna try and do it and damn if some bitch didn't do it wow. he did he made a canister first time peeled the can off i'm like oh, damn you did a good job <laughs> then he made the mistake of folding it and then he had seams and stuff but he, oh. he still made a really good knife and he, he gave it to his son and uh, it was cool. Uh, he was very proud of that. And he still makes knives when he has time. Yeah, yeah I've, seen, I've seen him post some things. Um, I know he, po- he made one recently. Uh, somebody else that was getting married, I think he gave it to him as a gift. Or yep. Yeah, and he's given ones to his sons and stuff like that, too. Uh, Doug just posted his most recent knife. Uh, he made a karambit out of a banana. 
Oh, yes. yes. That. He showed it to me. I'm like, you're just silly. <laughs> <laughs> Doug's like the da most dangerous guy in the show, but he's also the biggest comedian on the show. He's always cracking jokes. I'm always like, oh, my God. He's always got a wisecrack. So. Yeah, he's like the king of the dad jokes. For oh, sure. God. He's, he's, it's terrible. It's terrible. I remember when they did, uh, we did the one episode with all like boat implements, like boat propellers and stuff, and they were making boating jokes <laughs> and puns. And I found, I, I seriously, it was, this wasn't staged. I actually got up and walked out the table <laughs> during the show. And they aired it. I was like, son of a bitch, I didn't think uh, I were going to do that. But I, did, I walked, I can't take it anymore. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. I, I thought, and every time we use ball bearings, I was like, oh, it's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. The worst one was the bolts and the nuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who saw that one? I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how Will got so-and-so. You need to get six licks on this nut. And I was like, oh my God. It's like, well, I only thought we were going to last three seasons anyway. So. All right. Uh, we're going to role play for a moment. Zombies have risen from the grave and the world has devolved into martial law for the survivors. You have only edged weapons available to you as your main method of defense. You obviously don't remember I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> what would be your preferred style of bladed weapon to survive the zombie apocalypse? Um, honestly, I'd probably go with the machete. Um, they're easy to make. They're easy to sharpen. Thin edge, light. They're not going to weigh you down. Easy to swing. You can swing that one all day. Yes. Not the prettiest thing in the world, but it's effective. Yeah, zombies don't need the pretty knife. Yeah. <laughs> to be covered with gore anyway. So you mentioned a little earlier on, and I actually have a whole question about it. Uh oh. You used to have long now, now I'm gonna get fired from the show. <laughs> long flowing locks of hair. Oh god. Why did you cut it? Um, honestly, um I get a lot of people because it was in two thousand eight when I got my master smith and I got a lot of crap from people about, oh, you cut your hair so you look more respectable. That wasn't the case. I was riding my son around on all fours playing, you know, horse. Oh yeah. And he would use my hair as reins and kept <laughs> yanking it back and yanking it. I'm like, oh God, this hair is just getting it's getting old and he's hurting me. Hell with it, just chop it off. And that that was it really. When he started yanking my hair like that, and I, I was getting to the point where this is gonna be too much to take care of. Yeah. So I was like, done, done, had it. <laughs> it was funny, if you notice in season one, I had longer hair than this. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was an accident because my wife cuts my hair and she was cutting my hair one morning in the kitchen. I hear, oops. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> we mean, oops. Your barber and your doctor are two people you only hear oops yeah, no. from. <laughs> so she went a little too far on the like, wrong setting. I was like, just finish it off. Mm -hmm. And I went back on set and I'm legally not supposed to alter my appearance. And one person squawked. And the EP at that time was like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. Just leave it. And I just figured, hey, this is easy to take care of. You know, they don't have to put any product in my hair or anything like that. So it's bad enough I gotta wear makeup every day. I don't need to have my hair done too. <laughs> uh, we're traveling to Blade 2019 next week, and it's our first time attending. Have you been in the past? And if so, do you have any recommendations on how we should approach attending the show? Have a few beers first. Okay. Um, everybody else is I'll going do that. to. Everybody else is going to. Uh, no, be careful of that because I have seen people. They they started serving alcohol a couple of years ago at the Blade Show, and I saw a few people that were like, shouldn't have been around knives. Oh yeah. So mm -hmm. I don't know if they still do that or not. But um, no, everybody has a good time. Uh, yeah, I did the Blade Show for several years. Um, excuse me. I remember I used to have my little bitty table all the way in the back in the ABS section, and a friend of mine, Ed Caffrey, been a master smith forever out of Montana. 
uh, all the way in the front. And every year, that was like my source of information. I would go up there, grab Ed, drag him all the way back to my table, and just say, what do I need to work on? And he'd tell me, flat out, be totally honest, not being a dick about it. Kind of like when I, you know, somebody asks you to critique their work, you know, you're going to be honest, not be a jerk. But look, if you want me to tell you it looks good, just say that. Otherwise, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Right. And, uh, you know, he would tell me, and I did the Blade Show several years. Um, and it was, it was great. It's grown. I mean, it's huge. You can't see the show in a day. So plan on that. You know, plan on like, parsing it out. Go see this section, this section, this section. Um, there's going to be a ton of Forge and Fire things down there. I mean, I think they have a couple of booths down there by now. Yep. Um, but the last time I went was a few years ago, uh, before we started doing the big get-togethers. Um, and I went down there, and I had a little Forge and Fire sign, and I had some autographed pictures and stuff like that. And I couldn't sell a knife to save my life. Because really? nobody even saw the knives on the table. All people want to do is talk about the show, take a picture, and get an autograph. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this might sound like it being a dick, but I'm not going down there paying all that money and promoting the show unless the show's paying for it. Right. Because if I can't sell any knives, and, and I don't need that much of a, I mean, I'm a pretty secure guy. I don't need that. I can't even think of the word. Like you know, the, I don't need that pat on the back. Or the adoration. Adoration. Yeah, I don't. I don't need that. I, I'm a very simple person. I mean, I don't even like forging shirts, <laughs> it, forging fire shirts. Nothing related to knives or forging. I wear when I'm at home, because I'm not looking for attention, anything like that. I mean, if people recognize me, great. I'm happy to, happy to take a picture with them, sign something, chit chat with them for a while. But I don't look for it. So. So yeah. I don't, I'm not going to go to the Blade Show this year. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. Because they, they don't show you doing anything on the show except for judging. Right. So for that aspect, you know, they, don't, yeah. they, don't, they just know you're a judge. Even though yeah. it says ABS Mastersmith. But honestly, there's tons of people they don't, that watch the show. Don't even they don't know, know what that, that means. Yeah. They don't exactly. know what the requirement. Like, we know what the requirements are. And we're like, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Like, Yeah, I think of the history website, I think they've got little blurbs about each each judge and what we've done and a little video i think yeah you know they did i mean i had little things about me going around touring the shop and explaining the tools mm -hmm. and what uh but yeah there's a lot of people that just watch the show and don't know all the specifics about yeah. it and i'm not going to force it down their throats so, right yeah. um have there been any weapons on this show that have inspired you at all or things that you maybe hadn't seen before or known about i still want to make a kapinga it's hanging on the wall on the set right now. <laughs> it's this like three bladed throwing, oh, throwing yes. thing. Um, I just it looks like so much fun to play with, and I keep thinking I get I bet I can get that off the wall and nobody would notice for a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I still want to make one of those. Um, there's been several. There's been several Smiths that have inspired me. I mean, they, like I, one of the things I love about this is I'm still learning. Um, that's one of the reasons I stopped taking orders because. You know, I eventually would like take time just make stuff I want to make because there's still tons of things that I want to try that I haven't had the chance to. Um, so yeah, I want some free time eventually to play around. But yeah, there's there's definitely things I've seen. The first one, Kapinga, comes into my head. Uh, but yeah, there's several things that I've seen on the show. It's like, I want to go make one of those. That, that looks like a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't hurt myself, but <laughs> I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> I got something here. Okay. So this one is actually. A question provided by our friend Ben Seacrest, who goes by Fiery Ice Forge on Instagram. 
he's we met him at Pigeon Forge, and we've been chatting with him ever since. He's cool. also a very a beginning knife maker. Um, and his question is, what is your current favorite grip progression on the belts to disc sander? Is it on the belts then to the disc sander, or hand sanding grits for your blades? I don't use a disc sander very often, uh, but when I'm grinding blades, I start off with a 36 grit. Okay. Then I go to a 60, and then I heat treat. I keep the profile at 220. I always knock the profile down 220, knock the corners off before I heat treat. Then after heat treat and tempering, I go back to a 60, clean everything up, and then I go uh, 220, 400, 600, 800. Okay. Cool. And when I hand sand a blade, I will go back to 400 grit and then end at 800 grit. Cool. So one key thing about grinding, which is on the DVD, and I tell everybody this, you see it all the time on the show too. People start grinding, grinding, then they see a deep scratch that they didn't catch and have to go back a grit. Alternate your blade. Alternate the angle of your scratch pattern every grit. So go straight across with one grit. Next one, angle it up this way, so the scratch pattern's gone. So once all those hard, those upright scratches are gone, you know all that grit's gone. Next grit, do it again, switch it the other way. So that way, once all the, the last scratch pattern is gone, you know you don't have to go back, and it saves a lot of time and trouble. Oh, interesting. What's your favorite thing to make besides knives? Steaks. Nice. <laughs> there you go. That's good one. A good one. Steaks. Um, yeah, we, me and my wife Becky live in a small town, uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, we finally have a, a good, a really good restaurant. But um, before Forge of Fire, I watched me and her watch Chopped all the time, and the same people who made Chopped made Forge of Fire. It's the same premise format. Uh, so that was one of the things they told me. You know, that was based on the Chopped cooking show. I was like, oh, cool. You, you got me there. You got my interest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we learned to do a lot of our own cooking. She, I was a single father for a long time, so I learned to cook for me and my kids. Becky was single; she cooked, you know, single mom cook, and we kind of collaborated. And you know, half the time we go to restaurants and you know we'll order burgers just because we can cook all the fancy stuff that's on the menu already. So yeah, we we <laughs> like cooking. Is there anything on the horizon that you think you might get into or want to get into, um, even relating to? blades or even use uh, working in a different medium uh, I want to try out doing some of the uh, stainless steel sand my uh, Ed Caffrey sent me his formula for it it's tacked to the wall of my shop that's been sitting on the wall collecting dust for like two years um, I want to try something with some of that stuff um, you know, there's different patterns I want to play with I got patterns in my head that I want to try out um, sometimes they work sometimes they don't um, kind of like the ball bearing Damascus using the quarter inch ball bearings. Mm -hmm. uh, I had been using large ball bearings um, for years for the steel, and I'd done canisters, uh, like taking all the scraps over the years of Damascus cutoffs, clean them up, put them in a can, make a fossil Damascus. Yeah, yeah I love doing that. I do that like once a year, save up all my stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just had the ideas like, well, I use ball bearings all the time. I make canisters. By the way, I don't sleep well at night, so there's a lot of stuff going <laughs> yeah. on in my head. That's why I don't sleep well. Um, what if I filled up a can with little ball bearings and forge well that? And I tried it, and it worked great, and I tested it. Again, beating the life out of it and doing different blade styles and edges and stuff like that. Uh, and then I took it to a show, several blades, and people were like, holy shit, that's so cool. 
Yeah. As I, you can tell it's forged. That's another trick, too, for people who don't make knives. You can tell if a Damascus knife is forged or just cut out. If the pattern gets longer and thinner towards the tip, you can tell it was forged out. Um, but yeah, people thought that was cool as, as uh, sliced bread, man. I, that was like the biggest pattern I made for like the next three years. Wow. And it's still popular. So it's, it's like I said, I get stuff banging around on my head that yeah. I just want to try patterns, some of the stainless sand mai, uh, doing some more uh, sand mais with, um, I, I've got some very rare wrought iron that I've acquired from Lake Michigan. Uh, I'd like to try doing some of that and maybe doing a Damascus core with a jelly roll pattern so it looks like it's rolling waves underneath yeah, the, that's cool. the wrought iron. Just like I said, there's tons of different stuff I want to try. But yeah, the stainless sand mai is definitely one I want to try because when I first started out, nobody would even think that would work. And now yeah. it works. Yeah. So that's like, oh, cool. Let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Awesome. So there's an upcoming episode that's going to be airing, I think, next week where the Smiths have to use meteorite. Uh, to make a blade. Have you ever made a blade out of a meteorite? I got a whole section on my website. Matter of fact, that was my idea for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I got. I was contacted by a, a meteorite collectors and sales people out in California. Um, like I said, they're on the website. Um, I haven't made anything for them for a while just because I've been so busy. Um, but they had people that were making knives out of meteorite shaving or slabs. Yeah. And I said, well, that's great. I hope they're letter openers. And she's like, why? So, well, it's not going to hold an edge. I mean, it'll cut for a while, but it's not going to hold up. It's more of a display piece. And she said, well, you know, what do you think will work? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you cut your own meteorite, right? Yep. What do you do with all the shavings? They're in a bucket. Okay. Tell you what. Send me some pieces of meteorite, small cut-off chunks that are scrap. Just basically send me your garbage. And let me see what I can do with them. And I started mixing different amounts of meteorite shavings from different meteorites and mixing it with 1095 powder. I prefer using the 1095 because the higher carbon content, 0.95 carbon, like any of the 10 series, the last two is the amount of carbon in the steel because mm -hmm. uh, it's going to sit in the forge a lot longer, go through a lot more pressure. And uh, again, started testing. And it get, almost like a starry night kind of look with the mix of just the shavings and the powder. And again, went through the same, you know, beating the heck out of it, seeing what would hold up, see what mix actually worked the best. And then I started throwing bits and pieces of actual meteorite in and mixing it up. And then I'd start getting some of it towards the edge, which I didn't want. So I started sand mying it. So I would take the shavings, the powder, and the bits and pieces and make a block out of that and then take that and sand my it between a, like a 1095 core or something, uh, which again, I get pictures on the website of different ones like that. Um, and then the ones that we didn't do the mix would just be the powder and the shavings. Like I said, you get some weird kind of like starry night kind of look. Yeah, it just doesn't look like normal steel. Um, and that was, that, that took off pretty well. That was, that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, then I had people like buying it, had their own meteorites and like, I got this from my collection. Can we chop it up and use it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's your, it's your money. Whatever you want to do, <laughs> take a perfectly good meteorite and chop it up, make a knife. Sure, we could do that. But uh, yeah, it's again, it's one of those things uh, like the fossil Damascus. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping we do an episode of that because it's just one of those things. It's just unique. You know, it's not like a ladder pattern or a twist pattern. 
it's it's never going to look the same. No two blades are ever going to look the same, no matter how hard you try. And that's what I like. Yeah, you know, I, I like having you know just looks totally different. I mean, I take a blade out of the acid. It's like Christmas for me. It's like opening a present. It's like, what do we got here? Because <laughs> you're never quite sure. You know, sometimes it's a pair of socks. Sometimes it's a fire truck. You never know. <laughs> do you guys have any other questions? I do. Um, I'm this sure can, I like the hesitation. Well, no, this, <laughs> it's not. It's not like that. I don't know if it's worth uh, leaving in. But so I know. Well, I've heard that W steels are for the W stands for water, like for quenching. I don't know if it stands for water. I've heard different stuff about that too. You can water quench them. Okay. As a matter of fact, I just answered this question online for a guy a couple of days ago. Uh, you can water quench them. I don't. All right. Um, why? I mean, you work really hard on it. You want to take a chance of a cracking. And really, if you're going to use, don't use water. Use, if you're going to do that, use brine. Okay. It, oh, yeah. It's a little better for the blades. Um, the water is a little more shocking. Brine works better. Uh, we've had contestants that have quenched swords in brine before. And, you know, it's like about 50 50. You know, sometimes yeah. they crack, sometimes they don't. But, uh, yeah, you can do it. I just don't. Right. I don't want to. <laughs> I work too hard on this stuff. I don't want to take any right. chances. Yeah. So, I mean, the thought was if it's, but then again, it, it, it comes back to, is it meant to be quenched in water? A, a lot of times, um, me and Dave have had this discussion before too. A lot of times when W steels are being quenched in water, they're for industrial purposes. Uh, they're things that are like three eighths of an inch thick, yeah. like big cutter blades and stuff like that, um, which they're not going to fracture nearly as much as an eighth inch thick knife blade so right. I, just, I just don't see the point of doing it makes sense i've i've when i started using w1 uh, i made some big choppers and quenched them in water and i was chopping eight by eight barn beams with no problem so i was like okay that works i'm not gonna fuck with it right okay that's that i got some i think this is one that we i forget who told us to ask this one um do you have a most memorable mistake from working in your shop? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me count the ways. Um, actually, one of the most memorable was um, my, the last house I lived in. Uh, my shop was, it was one I actually started forging in. It was an old bank barn. I cut off a third of it and made a shop out of it. Um, right there, I did all the grinding and stuff, but there was a small busted up concrete square that used to be the milk house for the farm. So I scavenged blocks and rebuilt it. That's where I built my hydraulic press and put that in. I've got a 25 pound little giant. Um, and I had this habit of when I go to light the forges, I'll take a little piece of paper towel, throw it in a forge, lit, turn on the gas, <laughs> lights up, no problem. Well, that, that forge shop sucked because it was open air all around the top because I didn't want to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. So when I was out there, I'd be doing the rotisserie chicken method. I'd be like standing in front of the forge going in circles, just trying to stay warm. And uh, one time I had a, a fleece lined flannel jacket and my son, oh God, he was five or six years old or something like that. He was a little kid. And you know, I hear him coming because he had to walk down a little hill to get to the forge shop. And, you know, so I can see, oh, here he comes. So I Figure the forge got to heat up for a little while. Threw a piece of paper towel in there, lit it, turned on the forge, walked away. 
And I walk out of the forge, start walking to him, and he just stops. He goes, Daddy, you're on fire. <laughs> that piece of paper towel had landed on the back of my jacket, caught the back of the jacket, the whole back of the jacket was on fire. My hair was cooking. <laughs> oh, crap. Threw the jacket off real quick, pat the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, that was that. It was like, but just uh, watching the my son's eyes turn to like, you know, size of eggs. <laughs> Daddy, you're on fire. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. And yeah, that's not the first and last time I let myself on fire. And you know, now I got blades flying at me and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah my wife has a very large insurance policy on me. <laughs> so that's it for our questions. We like to end with one final question of, was there anything we should have asked that we didn't ask? Yeah, where to get my DVDs? Ah. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, no, not that I can think of, really. Um, no, I just want to you know, say that uh, I love what I do. I appreciate the help I've gotten from everybody that's helped me out over the years. Um, every contestant that comes on the show, that's not a total douche, uh, which we've only had one or two. And they still made them look good. So um, I, I tell everybody, that if I can ever help you out with anything, you know, knife making or running a business or anything like that, don't hesitate to reach out and contact me. I mean, that's it, being a master smith, you're supposed to help people out or coming up anyway. But I mean, I'm serious, you know, and I do. I get these, you know, the guys, you know, a lot of, we got a lot of guys that have only been doing this and girls, sorry, <laughs> um, you know, for only a few years and stuff. And I know I had a million questions. And, you know, I hear a lot of like, oh, I saw this on YouTube. Okay, there's a lot of good information on YouTube. And, you know, there's, and just like any other social media thing, there's a lot of good information. There's a lot of not so great. Sure. Uh, if you're not sure, check with somebody who knows what they're doing. So, you know, like I said, I always offer to help folks out. And, uh, you know, the guys that are on the show, they're great. And I'm grateful to them and the people who started this show. and. I guess I'm glad they didn't fire me after season two. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, you guys answered a lot of, asked a lot of good questions. Hopefully I answered them to your satisfaction. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you again for sitting down with us and, and letting us interview you. It's uh, easily our biggest interview to date. And um, we really appreciate you, and we can't wait to see the Jane Nielsen pain train back in action on the next episode. Ooh, it's coming, yeah. I already had two x-rays so far this year from the show. I keep telling the contestants that when we go to round two, and I've already had this hand rebuilt once. I really don't want to do again. Oh, so yeah. So pay attention to your handles as much as your blades. Oof, yeah. So, but uh, now the only other question is how I've met my wife, but I guess that's not relevant. Although, well, we'd love although, to hear it. Although, although she's she's fantastic, I can't believe she's put up with me and all this all this craziness and stuff like that. It was especially the first three seasons were really rough, really rough being apart and stuff like that. Because we're like each other's best friends and we're always together and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. If you ever lonely, Match dot com. <laughs> Serious. That's how we met. <laughs> really? No. Seriously. Huh. No. But yeah. No. That's that's it. Cool. Well, thanks again. Everybody, thank you for watching, and you will catch us some other time with some maybe Blade Show videos coming very soon. Oh, there you and, go. And uh, again, thanks, Jay, and that's yeah. that. Thank you, guys.